of the triune God. Amen. You may be seated. In the year that King Uzziah died, the prophet Isaiah saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lifted up. In other words, in simple phrase, Isaiah saw heaven. For heaven is the very place where the triune God is. No, heaven isn't just some city floating around on the clouds that when you grow wings, you can fly up to. That's not what heaven is. Heaven is being in the very presence of God, no matter where God is. Keep that in mind as we hear of the temple and as we consider worship here in the presence of God as well. Isaiah sees heaven and the timing for this event is rather ironic. It happens the year King Uzziah died. Uzziah, you'll remember, was king of Judah at the end of its greatness. The scriptures tell us a lot about his life. God helped King Uzziah to conquer the Philistines and the Arabians and to force the Amorites to pay tribute to the kingdom of Judah. Through King Uzziah, God used the army of Judah to break down the city walls of the city of Gath, the town where Goliath was from. God granted King Uzziah great strength so that he was able to spend money to fortify the cities of Judah, to rebuild walls taller, thicker, stronger, to greatly increase the defensibility of the kingdom of Judah. God worked through King Uzziah to cause much success for the kingdom of Judah. But as success grew, so too did sin. King Uzziah grew prideful, a common trait among sinners. Uzziah began to trust in himself rather than in God. Uzziah began to believe that he himself was the great one, that he himself had brought about all of his successes. To put it in catechism terms, King Uzziah began to fear, love, and trust in himself above all other things, and certainly above God. Oh sure, King Uzziah still called himself a believer and acted like one outwardly. He went to the temple and to the synagogue so that everyone 
could see His glory, could feel honored to be in the presence of royalty, so that everyone would know how pious He was. That itself began to be a part of his persona. His outward show of greatness and glory, which he believed was due to him. Look, there's King Uzziah, the faithful churchgoer. And that led to Uzziah's downfall. You see, only priests were allowed to go inside the temple building itself, the glorious building coated in gold that King Solomon had built, where God dwelt on earth in the Holy of Holies between the wings of the cherubim. Only priests were allowed in to the holy place. And only when their name was drawn out of a hat by lot. You know this from the New Testament Gospel of Luke, where Zechariah's name is drawn and he goes into the temple to burn incense at the incense altar, where the angel appears to Zechariah and tells him, you'll be the father of John the Baptist. It's only by lot that you're able to enter the temple. Only when God chooses you to come into his presence. But in his pride and his desire to appear pious, King Uzziah ignored this word of God. And King Uzziah decided to enter the temple on his own terms and to burn incense at the incense altar. King Uzziah was not of the house of Levi, let alone a priest. King Uzziah did not meet the requirements for entering the holy place. His name was not drawn by lot. He was doing something that God had forbidden him. Eighty priests of the temple, according to the scriptures, properly called and ordained and installed into the priesthood, tried to stop Uzziah from entering the temple, from going to the incense altar. It must have been a difficult task for a lowly old priest to tell the king of Judah that he was not allowed that what he was doing was sin. But the 80 priests stood their ground. They spoke the word of truth to King Uzziah, but he would not 
Listen. His pride, his sin, had hardened his heart. The scriptures teach that at the sermon of those priests, stop, do not enter. That Uzziah became angry. That Uzziah threw a temper tantrum right there in the holy place. And when Uzziah's pride was confessed by his sincere and severe anger, God acts, marking King Uzziah upon his forehead with leprosy, marking King Uzziah as unholy, marking King Uzziah as a sinner. Second Chronicles 26 says, King Uzziah was a leper to the day of his death, and being a leper, lived in a separate house, for he was excluded from the house of the Lord. Then Uzziah realized the truth. He wasn't holy in himself. He wasn't as great as he thought. The world wasn't under his care. He was merely a part of it. He was a sinner. It may not seem so, but leprosy, the leprosy that Uzziah received, was a gift from God, a gift to crush his pride, a gift to soften his calloused heart, a gift so that he might learn to love God again. Uzziah was crushed by an act of the Lord, by the word of the priests, and thus was given an opportunity for repentance. The scripture is silent about whether he took that opportunity. But it clearly says Uzziah lived with leprosy until the day of his death. It is then in the year that leper King Uzziah died who dared enter God's holy place on his own terms that Isaiah sees heaven. The heaven that Isaiah sees is a far holier place than what Uzziah saw at his downfall. You see, Isaiah sees the heavenly temple where God dwells, sitting on a throne high and lifted up. His robe fills the temple of heaven. The six-winged seraphim fly around him, singing a familiar Trinitarian hymn, one that we sing every week in the liturgy, reflecting the reality of who God is. Holy, 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 is the Lord of hosts. 
The whole earth is filled with his glory. Isaiah sees the true, complete holiness of the triune God. And he acts completely different than King Uzziah. Isaiah, upon entering heaven, seeing God, hearing the singing of the holy, 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 Isaiah is terrified. He's in awe. He reverently falls down on his face before God and confesses that he deserves not only leprosy, but death because he is a man of sinful lips who lives in the midst of sinful people. Isaiah confesses the truth about who he is. He confesses in the very presence of God, the Holy, Holy, Holy One. He admits his sin. In other words, Isaiah has faith. Isaiah had faith because he had listened to God's word. In fact, not only had he heard the word, he had preached it himself. He had preached it in the first five chapters of Isaiah before these events took place. He had preached a sermon that said, Though our sins are as scarlet, God shall wash them whiter than snow. Isaiah had preached that though the people of Judah's sin was worse than that of Sodom and Gomorrah, the Lord would wash away the filth of his people. Isaiah had preached a word from God himself, and he believed that word by the work of the Holy Spirit. He believed that word applied to him, that he was a sinner. And thus he confesses his sin. He repents. He looks for atonement from God. Isaiah believes what God's word says. So picture heaven with God on his throne and Isaiah laying down before him on his face. Isaiah confesses his sin and God acts. In fact, God acts to save Isaiah before Isaiah even acknowledged his own sin. God acts to save Isaiah. He sends an angel to the altar, the heavenly version of the altar that Uzziah wished to pray at, to worship at by his own will. The angel goes to the incense altar and pulls out a burning coal. And he touches it to Isaiah's lips. 
And not only does the angel perform this act, the angel also preaches a sermon. With this, your guilt is taken away. Your sin is atoned for. God imparts holiness upon the sinner. God forgives the guilt of the one who has done wrong. The angel of God, the messenger, takes the burning coal from the altar, which once a year is washed in blood, and makes Isaiah a forgiven child of God. His sin is atoned for by forgiveness brought by the triune God. So what about you, dear Christian? How will you enter God's holy presence? Will you be like Uzziah? Puffed up with pride. Puffed up with self-righteousness. With pomp and circumstance. Or will you be like Isaiah? And fall before God and confess your sin. It's important for you to consider this question because the truth is this. Here in the divine service, God is present. We begin our worship in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And we end our worship with the benediction. God is present here in his word, in his body and blood. He is here. Too often, we are like King Uzziah. Too often, we fail to admit our wrongdoing or to believe that it's even possible for churchgoers like us to see him. We trust in our own actions. We look to our own successes and achievements as if they will impress God. We speak about how much we've done in our lifetimes how much we've given to churches and charities, how much service we've performed on boards and committees. So often, we look to ourselves to find worthiness to be in God's presence. Perhaps, too, 
We ignore the words of the properly called and ordained servants that God has given to warn us, just like Uzziah did. When the pastor preaches about sin, we know in our sinful hearts it's about those people out there, not about us. All these things are self-justification. We sinners cannot come into God's presence on our own terms. God will have none of that. He struck King Uzziah down and he will strike us if we think that's how we get to be in God's presence. He strikes us. Perhaps not with leprosy, but he strikes us all the same by hardening and callousing our hearts if we fail to heed God's word. And if we die with hardened, calloused hearts, it is not the holy, holy, holy God that we should see, for we would be forever separated from God in hell, the place where God is not. Dear friend, the word that Isaiah preached, the word that Isaiah believed, is a word for you as well. You are a sinner, just like Isaiah, just like Uzziah, just like me, just like all mankind. You are a sinner. Your sin is as scarlet. Your filth is as Sodom and Gomorrah. Your guilt rises before the holy God, marking you as one worthy of death. So confess. Confess that truth. Confess that sin. Repent. Admit your wrongdoing, your shameful deeds, your hateful heart. Admit that your lips are sinful and have spoken poorly about those around you. Repent of your self-justifying and self-glorifying ways. Fall down on your knees here before God next to Isaiah and pray the truth. I, a poor, miserable sinner. And when we, by faith in God's word, confess this truth, God acts. In fact, God acts before we even realize our sin. God acts before we're even capable of understanding 
all that we have done wrong. God knows your sin. God knows your guilt and has atoned for it. No, not with burning coals touched to your lips here in church, but with the burning coals of hell placed upon our Lord Jesus Christ, the second person of the Holy Trinity in our human flesh. Jesus carried your sin to the cross to kill it once for all. He died the death that your sin deserves. He suffered hell and damnation in your place. He was separated from his Father as blood poured out of his body. As he hung naked on the cross. The blood that poured from his body purifies you, washes you whiter than snow makes you holy, just as he is holy, holy, holy. And with his last words, it is finished, he sends out the Spirit to you to call you, gather you, and bring you into the one true faith, the Christian church. The blood of Jesus atones for your sin just as it atoned for Isaiah. The blood of Jesus is poured out for the sin of the whole world. And you are marked as belonging to Jesus, both upon your forehead and upon your heart. It happens when you were baptized. The cross was placed upon you, washing away the leprosy of your sin. That's why we still make the sign of the cross as a part of our service, even today, to remember God marking us as his child. And you're also marked with the forgiveness that touches your lips the very body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ, crucified, resurrected, ascended into heaven. God comes here to you physically that you may eat and drink him and thus receive forgiveness, life, and salvation. God sends his Holy Spirit here to you preaching to you in the absolution, I forgive you all your sins in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. God works to forgive your sins and to bring you that grace and mercy and peace right here. In other words, you're free to enter heaven, to be where God is. And don't think this is merely something that you can look forward to at your death. You are in heaven now, here in the divine service, in the presence of God. Here, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, the Holy, Holy, Holy One God is before your very eyes.
your friends in Christ. God forgives your sin. God justifies you. God grants you faith through his word, through his sacraments. God welcomes you into his presence on his terms to give you his glorious gifts. Rejoice. Be glad. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Now may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.